Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Part of the Fake Team Podcast Network, I am your humble host, the conductor of the Devin Funches hype train, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, Damian Harris truther, the old merry guy, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by only one of the guys today. It's DK Metcalf's number one admirer, doubter of Juju Smith-Schuster, proponent for a line of Jon Snow hair products, you heard it here first, resident old man Clark Barnes. Clark, uh, what's been on your mind recently? What have you been thinking about? No thoughts, Pete. Just trying to not fall victim to Craigslist spammers as I try to sell my car. So mm. just focusing on that. What kind of car? Do you want to give a quick uh, salesman pitch to all of sure. our listeners in case it's anyone a, wants to buy it? Uh, it is a beautiful 2016 Ford Mustang GT Premium <laughs> with the performance pack. It's got every option except for navigation and the tacky Recaro racing seats, which you should feel embarrassed if you bought. Now, the old girl is low mileage, but she does have a bit of a spotty pass. She's been in a couple of accidents, but all that work has been warranted by the Ford recommended repair shop. Got all that paperwork for you. Really getting a great deal. New rims, new tires, new brakes, all kinds of new parts. So uh, if you live in Austin and want the car, check Craigslist. You'll see it. Wow. I, I mean, if I were in, if I lived in Austin, was in the market for a new car, I don't know how I would say no to that. Yeah. Uh, when I got it, I was single, and now I'm getting married also. So if you're desperate, this is the one for you. This is the, ooh, nice. Oh, that is a good pitch right there. Yeah, this is the car that will find that lasting relationship. You, you while owning this car, will get married. It has so far had a hundred percent track record. Yep, perfect. And there you go. Um, well, on my mind, Clark, you'll be able to relate to this because you have one of these. Uh, Bex and I have been in the process of getting a doggo. Mm. And we we are get, we're looking at this one uh, breeder, and because I am allergic to dogs, and so we need to get a dog that doesn't shed because then it's hypoallergenic. Um, and so we were we met up with people who lived in Ann Arbor who had just gotten a dog or gotten a dog a year ago from this breeder, uh, just to, so I could rub my face in it and make sure that it wasn't going to give me an allergic reaction. And sure, oh, take it for a test drive. God, exactly, exactly. Uh, sticking with those car metaphors, I like it, and. She was, oh my God, just the most adorable little dog. And now Becca and I, we were already dog crazy. I mean, we've been dog crazy for a while now, but now it's just at a whole new level. That's great. I like that even though your body is telling you not to get a dog, that you're pressing through. So, <laughs> well, there's solutions. Work. There's solutions. So that's, that's all that matters. You know, life finds a way. And, uh, and we will succeed. No, I grew up with dogs. I had my parents, we had two dogs when I was a kid who were both not hypoallergenic. So they kind of spent most of their lives outside, sadly. But then once I was in high school, we got two poodles, um, one of whom who's still alive. And so the hypoallergenic dog has been a staple of 
eh, the last 15 years, 10, 15 years of my life. So yeah, we've been looking forward to it. Now that we're getting settled in Ann Arbor and moving into the uh, apartment fully, the, our first apart- apartment that's dog friendly, we're, we're ready to take that step and get a little, get a little doggo. That's great, Pete. Thanks, Clark. We're thinking of naming it Noodles because it's such a good dog name. That's a pretty good dog name. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. If you All get right. a plug, it's like Taylor made. Okay, yeah, on the football. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's wide receiver week at fake teams.com. Uh, I just wrote today some, my top five wide receiver sleepers. We've had, we have rankings that came out on Monday. We talked about that on Tuesday's podcast. Uh, Mark on fake teams, he wrote a top five or not top five, but he wrote five bold predictions for the wide receiver position. So you can all go check that out. I know Clark, you've got your wide receiver rankings in the works is that correct yeah and uh these are highly anticipated just going over those this evening looked down when i was at about 26 and wondered why Devontae adams didn't have a number next to his name so (laughs) so Devontae adams is the 27th ranked wide receiver Uh, in clarks (laughs) trying to avoid the completely forgetting about someone a la jimmy garoppolo and my quarterback ranks uh, <laughs> wide receivers rankings are hard man in that sense you have to like have all the names in front of you so you don't you know forget about anyone anyways yeah and you don't want like you want them all in front of you but you don't want to look at someone else's rank totally like you don't want to start off with someone's rankings and like get rid of their you know because if you have the names in an order you're automatically kind of predisposed to rank them in that or you know yeah no it's definitely tough um, so I started with my way too early top 100 and uh, had to move Sammy Watkins down from like 12. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a fall from grace for Sammy Watkins. That one didn't age well. That one did not work out. Uh, we will also have, we have a staff post tomorrow about uh, wide receivers who we're targeting and then one on Friday for wide receivers we're avoiding. So all, excuse me, all kinds of good stuff on faketeams.com. So make sure you go check it out. But since it's just Clark and I, and since it's wide receiver week, we figured we would do, instead of doing an NFC family fantasy preview, just the two of us, we'll save that for next week. Uh, we're going to do a wide receiver themed round of, would you rather um, playing the greatest game known to the internet? But before we do that, we're going to hit up some NFL news. So the first thing in the news docket, we got Andrew Luck. The Colts yet again seemingly have fibbed and flummoxed an Andrew Luck injury as to seem his calf slash ankle slash bone bruise injury could keep him out of actual NFL action now. Frank Reich told reporters that he would make a decision on who the Colts week one quarterback will be at the end of the third preseason game. Is this at all tampering your Andrew Luck enthusiasm, Clark, as a as a fantasy quarterback? No. Because we just don't know anything. And so thanks to the conglomeration of all these synapses in my head, I have just decided that I'm not going to worry about it until if we get to the fourth preseason game and they're uh, trying to get Jacoby Brissett a little extra work before the season gets started. Well, then there will be a drastic shift in how I feel about it. Because the, the Colts just don't know. They're not good at predicting these things. And it seems like an odd injury. So we just have no idea whether he's going to be okay or not. Yeah, he uh, the Colts this the Colts seem to not really be doing have a good sense on what uh, what injuries are and how to prevent them because it seems like this happened with his with uh, Andrew Luck's arm as well where they were like oh he'll be fine you know he'll play in the season and then suddenly it's like oh no maybe he'll miss some games oh no he'll maybe he'll miss most of the season. Um, it's just like. <laughs> 
you, maybe you should look at your training staff and kind of reevaluate who you got there in house. I mean, I mean, to be fair, it's just been Andrew Luck. So maybe we should just body shame him for not fitting our norms. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Andrew Luck, uh, in, if you'd like to come onto the podcast and talk about, you know, it's bring some body positivity uh, to the show. We'd love to have you. Um, yeah, I don't think that this is necessarily weighing too much into my, I mean, granted, we're, I'm also asking you, Clark, you and I are probably the two most notorious guys on the show for uh, drafting quarterbacks late, not investing in a, in a early round quarterback. So I'm not all, already, you know, wanting to target luck as my, as my quarterback, though I think he'll do have a really good season if he's healthy and playing because he's shown, and as I love to point out, it's his legs, not his arm. Um, so as long as luck stays in the pocket enough, right. He's totally fine. I will say the amount of injury fabrication that the Colts have done around luck recently is, uh, I feel like the NFL who, who has gotten on the Seahawks case and has gotten on the Patriots case in the past for kind of like flummoxing or, or fibbing on their injury list. I feel like maybe the Colts need a deep interrogation. Just saying. It's always hard to tease out uh, deception from incompetence. You make a good point there. Uh, moving on in the news, more injury news. Kenyon Drake is sitting out of joint practices with the Bucks to nurse some injury he sustained on Tuesday. Doesn't seem serious, but he's already sp- splitting time with Kalen Balaj, uh, and missing time could tilt that scale in Balaj's favor. We talked about the Dolphins, obviously, on our AFC preview podcast back on Tuesday since we went through the whole AFC. But personally... I am not buying Drake at all this year. I'm not really buying any Dolphins player at all this year. But I feel like the starting gig is Kalen Balazs to lose. And I just think that if he continues to show what seemingly he's shown in practices to the point where the Dolphins head coaching staff is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're splitting time with Kalen and Drake and we're letting you get the opportunity. I think he's now going to run with it. And that's the guy you should be targeting for Miami's backfield if you're looking to target that backfield. Yeah, I, I see a lot on Twitter that, uh, between the Kenyon Drake and Balaj, uh, people who believe each side going back and forth, and it's it's arguing over something that is completely irrelevant. Like if you told me Kalen Balaj is going to start 16 games and he was available in the 14th round, I would still rather take like Nicole Hardman and see what happens. Hmm. Yeah, it is the uh, Dolphins offense, and we know that they are garbage. So why bother investing in them and having to deal with monitoring them for the whole season? I think Kalen Balaj, if he doesn't get drafted in your league, that's someone you can watch in the waiver wire. Likely he will. And if he does, hey, good for whomever got him. And if he pans out, eh, good for them. Yeah, someone else is going to enjoy that in my league. And and I, I'm not saying that I'm right, but like there's just sometimes guys that you look at and you just you just know you're not going to go. Hey, uh you heard it here first. Clark has long been the long said fantasy teams are meant to be fun. Draft players who you want to root for, draft players who you want to watch. If you don't want to deal with Miami, don't draft anyone from Miami. It's your team. Finally, in the news, uh, I want to talk about Golden Tate's suspension because the NFL denied his appeal for his four game suspension to start the season due to using some illegal substance. But this isn't an instance of a player cheating and getting caught. Tate was taking a prescribed medication for, from a fertility specialist to, I would assume, help he and his wife conceive. Um, he realized that it contained a banned substance and then stopped taking it and turned himself in. And yet, still the NFL was like, mm, sucks to suck. Here's four games that you can't play. Meanwhile, 
love to point this guy out. Tyreek Hill didn't get shit for punching his child and threatening his girlfriend on tape. Um, so the NFL is just another great example of having its priorities straight. And Josh Gordon's still frozen out of the league for smoking weed. Uh, so I'm not going to address the other two people because we're going to try to wrap it up and have a nice tight show today. Uh, but one thing I would like to point out about the Golden Tate timeline, and, and Pete, you've expressed something that I've heard a lot of people say is that, oh, he took this, but then he realized it was bad and he turned himself in. I think something that we're missing here is that he began taking this substance, which like I, I personally you know, don't care if players take steroids. Uh, he started taking this substance uh, and then after taking a drug test, obviously, right? Right. Then he said, like, oh, crap, uh, I'm going to fail that because I'm taking this banned substance. So that's not exactly a mea culpa situation, right? Like, he didn't take it and then not take a drug test and then say, oh, I took it. And the NFL was like, oh, well, then we're going to suspend you. So I think in that narrative, we're leaving out the key part of him knowing that he failed it and then trying to drum up. now. Again, I don't care. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but you've brought up a couple of examples of players uh, who show the NFL's disparate dispersal of justice, we'll say. Disparate dispersal. Nice. Yeah. Get that out Discipline. Oh, I was so close to a nice three-time alliterative. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Well, now I, I rescind my nice comment. That was, you failed oh, I mean, miserably. Look, look, man, this is, come on. <laughs> We're fighting the wrong war here, NFL. <laughs> You make a good point about Golden Tate failing a drug test and then being like, oh, no, I had to drug it me. That was illegal. But nonetheless, it is still just like when you – I feel like the NFL – and we'll, we'll move on after this because, yes, we want to keep a tight podcast after all of our listeners sat through an hour and a half one on Tuesday. Um, I just feel like the NFL doesn't have, a, doesn't have like the holistic or the, the macro – view it's all very micro they take a case on an individual basis which you can sometimes you know applaud and be like okay good for you for just like taking it the case for at face value but it's also just like you got to think about things on a macro scale and realize that when you're punishing uh, a player for smoking weed which is legal in a fair number of states now in the u.s uh and for taking you know trying to help a fertility drug of some sort presumably from a fertility specialist that those are the people you're going to harp on and then when you have recorded documented evidence of domestic violence you do nothing anyways you know potato but no that is not potato 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 elephant (laughs) as they say (laughs) as they say all right Wide Receiver Week at FateTeams.com. So we are going to play Wide Receiver Would You Rather? Simple game. For those who are brand spanking new to the podcast, welcome, first of all. Uh, secondly, very simple game. Everyone has played this game before. We're just going to propose scenarios. You say, would you rather this person or this person? And we will discuss. Now, I have to give my credit. I have to give lots of compliments to Clark. While I was in the midst of moving and doing some errands, Clark actually took the role of a host and put together our lists for today, our would you rather scenarios. So Clark, I'll turn it over to you if you want to start with your first cluster 
of would you rather receivers and uh, who you got. Okay, so this is a little situational. This is for folks who drew a late pick in the draft. So probably, I don't know, 50% of the audience, this is going to be extremely relevant to you. And the other 50% estimate on how the draft works. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So at the one two turn, this is all according to ADP, 12 team league. Fantasy football calculator. So fantasy football calculator, thanks for being awesome. Great ADP numbers over there. Seriously, man. You guys. At the one-two turn, end of the first round, beginning of the second round, at 112, we have Odell Beckham. At 201, we have Tyreek Hill. At 203, we have Juju Smith-Schuster. And then wild card, check out my ranks for how much I love this person. Mike Evans at 2.8. So that is a pretty juicy crop of wide receivers i think all of those guys uh if you told me at the end of the year they finished as the wide receiver one you wouldn't bat an eye they all have some little concern and that's why they're back there but if you decided to shirk running back god you could start so strong so let's say you're picking a 201 and everyone's available what are you doing here pete oh so i'm immediately taking out tyreek hill because as we've talked at the top of this podcast just two different times one It's a team you want to draft players you like and root for, too. Tyreek Hill's a shit. So, and I'm going to take out Juju because I agree with you, Clark. Maybe not as strongly as you, but I'm not sold on Juju Smith-Schuster really being a top three, maybe even a top five wide receiver in fantasy this year. I just think that too much, you know, he was playing with one of the best, if not the best wide receiver of the last, you know, five six seven years alongside him took a lot of defensive focus that way who knows what he's going to be as a wide receiver one if you didn't include your wild card odell is my number one choice i have full faith in the browns offense i have full faith in baker mayfield i think we're going to see an odell beckham that we haven't even seen in new york just in terms of his chemistry that he could evolve with baker mayfield and the way that baker mayfield throws the ball as a compared to you know a 300 year old eli manning like Odell never played with Eli when Eli was in his prime. You know, it was always on the tail end. And so you're just hope, you know, you're getting whatever Eli could muster behind a throw. You're playing, Odell's now playing with Baker Mayfield, right? As Baker Mayfield's, I mean, he hasn't even peaked yet. And he's rapidly climbing up his, his hill of ascension. Um, so I'm f- super excited to see what Odell can do in the Browns offense. That being said, I also love everything that's come out of Tampa Bay's camp about Mike Evans and the Jameis Winston connection. And we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, Bruce Arians. I mean, the Bruce Arians offense is sit in the pocket for five seconds and chuck the ball up to your big receiver. And (laughs) there's no better jump ball receiver in the NFL than Mike Evans. So I would, I would take Odell Beckham, but I think if you gave me Tyree Juju and Mike Evans at that 204 or 203 spot, I would, I would go with Mike Evans. I would bump him up to that level. Yeah, I mean, I do think Odell is the obvious choice, even though the only concern with Odell is injury. I think there is kind of the general concern with a wide receiver going to a new team. Like, I'm docking Antonio Brown because he's going to the Raiders now. Not a ton, but because Antonio Brown is, although maybe a little loose in the noggin, (laughs) amazing at football. he's got that early onset CTE kicking in. Maybe. That's, you know, I hope not. Anyway, so... Odell's just amazing. I believe in Baker Mayfield. I mean, I'm not going out on a limb. He looked fantastic last year. Like he didn't look like one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen, but he was a rookie who got a late start and he, he had some games where he just carved it up. So 
he doesn't even really need to take a step forward uh, to be to be fantasy great. Right. Uh, but if he does take a step forward, I mean, this is truly, I think Jordan said it last week, uh, like this is this quarterback class that we have is filling in that dearth of talent behind Andrew Luck when we had a lot of guys we hoped for that just didn't pan out. So I, I think Odell is just, if you pick Odell and it misses, who cares? You know, it was, yeah. you did it for the right reasons. And then I'm with you too on, on Mike Evans. If I'm at the 12 spot and I have Odell and Mike Evans available, well then we're just going to figure out running back later, boys. We're going to pick, <laughs> you know, maybe the one and two wide receiver this year. Uh, so yeah, that's good. I, I like your assessment. Yeah. Well, and especially quickly, um, like We've talked about this. We talked about this in the AFC podcast, and and I'm sure we'll get into it later as we start talking draft strategy coming up to most time, you know, the end of August when most people draft. Like, there's still going to be, if you're doing snake and you're at the end of the first and you want to go back to back, you know, let's say you've got 10 or 111 and then 201 or 202, and you go Odell and you go Mike Evans, right? There still will be running backs there for you. And, and like, I know that you won't have like the cream of the crop, but there are still names out there who are going good running backs who will be serviceable, who are going at the tail end of the third round, beginning of the fourth round that you can get excited about. So if you have a chance to get possibly two of the top five wide receivers in fantasy football this year, I'm taking that chance. And then I'm running with guys like, you know, Chris Carson could be there. Um, maybe you're in a league where we had lots of debates about Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry is is sitting there for you. Like that's or Leonard Fournette maybe has slipped a little bit because people like those are all running backs who could be there at the end of the third round. And if I've got the you know two of the best wide receivers in and fantasy, I'm happy to take any of those guys as my back. Yeah, and I guess I'll put a pin in it. it when you are picking that late, I feel like there's about six or seven first round running backs this year. Yeah. And after that, everybody's got warts, and the warts may get a little bigger in the third round. But, I mean, it is not surefire that Marlon Mack is going to give you a lot of production. It right. is not surefire that, you're, that Joe Mixon is going to be able to put it together. I like both of those guys, but, you know, that that's the beauty of the zero RB strategy is, uh, you know how some people are really excited for Damian Williams? Yeah, he was free last year and until week 11, right, because we see – talent come available at the wide receiver and running back position and so if you just nail down one of them you know then the rest of your season is spent trying to fill the gap for running back so you just absolutely obliterate right. people in the playoffs good one i like that oh. so so let's say you had that you know end of the end of the you're at the last one of the last picks of the one you got that one two turn but instead of going wide receiver you go running back and travis kelsey you're now at the three four turn what do you got for us there yeah, so the, the three, four turns really interesting. Uh, we've got Amari Cooper going at the seventh pick of the third round, Stefan Diggs going at 311, Julian Edelman at 401, and Brandon Cooks at 405. I feel like I've already kind of built my hill on Amari Cooper territory because I do think that he has the potential in the Cowboys offense with Dak Prescott, who I actually like. Dak Prescott hasn't finished below i think a quarterback 15 in fantasy so y'all went to my dad's alma mater so that's all i need so that's all you need plus he thinks he's worth 40 million a year so good for him for some self-esteem well done sir um so i i really like amari cooper i think amari cooper is in for a big season i also 
love myself some Brandon Cooks. I feel like he is chronically underrated. People think of him as just a deep threat. And because of that, they're like, ah, how much fantasy value can he really give you on a continuous basis? He was wide receiver 13 last year uh, for the Rams. And I think he was another top at least top 15, maybe even top 10 with the Patriots the year before that. So I think he is someone too, he might even be able to slip further in the draft where people are kind of overlooking him because they're like, well, what really does, what really is his role in the Rams offense? Um, So I like him a lot. Julian Edelman is great in PPR leagues. He's recovering from a thumb injury. So you don't really know. I don't know exactly when he's planning on starting. It could be week one. I haven't tuned in enough to, to know that for facts, but there's a lot. This is a tough one. I'd be curious to hear who you'd rather in of this of this quad quadricep because because uh, all of those guys have potential to have big seasons. Yeah, I I don't believe in Amari Cooper as a fantasy starter that you're going to enjoy having on your team just because the up and down nature of what he did last year. I assuming that the Cowboys do pay Zeke and he comes back, I think there are just going to be games where they don't need Amari Cooper to do a lot. And and every player is up and down. I realize that, but Amari Cooper was way up and down. So I just don't like introducing that onto my team. If I can avoid it, I'd rather have a steadier production, especially at this part in the draft. And that's why I would, if I was swinging for the fences, I would go for Stefan Diggs because he may take over that wide receiver one role in the Gary Kubiak, offense a la Andre Johnson and some of the greats that we've seen in that role in the past or you know if I feel great about my first three picks and Julian Edelman is there I'm super high on Julian Edelman I think we're overlooking the obvious answer to what is the Patriots passing game going to do and I think that they're going to throw the ball to Julian Edelman until he falls in half Uh, so so those are the two that I would go with I like Brandon Cooks but Rams have a lot of weapons. It's gonna, you're just gonna have to leave them in all year, and you'll probably be okay with it. Uh, but if I can sign up for Julian Edelman instead, maybe a little bit less spectacular, but maybe a little bit more consistent. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. I'm just quickly stats and information through some uh, some good some good knowledge in front of me right here. If you look at Wes Welker, who I feel like is obviously the prequel to Julian Edelman, but also the guy who was clearly Brady's number one in an offense that didn't have the weapons you know that didn't have Gronk or, or as primo Gronk and didn't have Randy Moss had already been traded as I try anyways my point is is that in 2011 Wes Welker 122 receptions 1500 yards nine touchdowns wide receiver three in fantasy the next year 2012 wide receiver 11 with uh let's quickly bring it up here with 118 catches 1354 and six touchdowns so like for all of the flack that I just gave Julian Edelman in terms of like, well, he's just going to get a bunch of receptions and yards, but I don't know about the touchdowns. We could see something like that where Brady is just like, Oh, he's going to be my number one guy. And I'm going to throw to him, you know, 160 times. and He's going to catch 120 of those. And it's just going to be, he's going to get a lot of fantasy points purely because he's just getting a lot of targets and receptions. So I think if you're going, I agree with you, Clark, if you're looking at this from a, you know, I've nailed my first two picks and I want to reach for the stars. I'm saying you go Amari Cooper, you go Stefan Diggs, because those two guys I think can finish in the top fantasy wide receiver. I think if you did two risks as your first two picks and maybe you're a little worried or maybe, you know, this is coming back at the fourth round pick. I think Julian Edelman is a guy who you can get and you know, 
you're going to get a high baseline production out of him. You know, week in, week out, he's going to get you good numbers. Yeah, I uh, like you said, it's wide receiver week. I was going through my rankings tonight, and I, I am really high on Julian Edelman. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. I like it. I like. I feel like he's not someone who gets as much fantasy love as as other number one receivers in offenses. Yeah, and I, th- I like. It, he's a victim of circumstance. He missed four games, and uh, the, the same as Odell Beckham. Pe- I think people are looking at the end of your ranks mm. and forgetting why that why that person is there. Yeah. All right, we got two more groups of receivers to talk about, but before then, we're gonna take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we're back. Clark, hit me with another group of receivers. So these are some folks that you may drop quickly or, you know, you may accidentally get a gem and it could really fill in a hole uh, to help with the... at the top of the draft, you're going to miss somewhere. You're going to be weak somewhere. And you're just hoping with your late round picks, or at least my strategy is, you know, you've got like seven shots to get a starter. So hopefully you don't have to be spending all your free agent budget early or moving your free agent uh, acquisition position, depending on how your league does it. So here's four guys that I really like. that could really turn into solid producers for your team. Got both the Broncos receivers, Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders going at uh, 9-11, uh, never forget and tend to respectively we've got the Sean Jackson who I am like head over the heels head over heels back in love with this year and then Dante Moncrief potentially you know maybe I'm using air quotes this is a podcast I know sorry maybe like the number one wide receiver in role in that he'll play the x and that might allow Juju Smith-Schuster to play the y and I think that that would just be like a good tactical mm. decision mm-hmm. but anyway plenty to go around in pittsburgh who do you who do you like out of this group Pete? i've already staked my my flag on Cortland sutton i just think Cortland sutton is the guy to target in as a wide receiver in denver i think that we all know joe flacco's offensive game right we all know that he loves the deep ball he loves chucking it up there that's why tory smith was such a viable receiver both in real fan real football and fantasy was because that's the kind of shit that Joe Flacco loves. And I think that while we've seen Eli's arm regress, we've seen a little bit of Drew Brees arm regress. I don't necessarily, and I will preface this, I haven't watched a ton of Ravens tape over the last couple of years, but I don't get the feeling that Flacco's arm has regressed as mightily to the point where he's now kind of a check down guy. Clark smiling. Correct me. Am I wrong? No. So uh, I like sometimes you just hear someone in the industry, I mean, just like football industry or fantasy industry say something and you you just 
believe them because they are a good source of information. And so Chris Wessling of NFL.com fame said that Joe Flacco looks good at the beginning of the year for the Ravens. And so I've just like, I've just adopted like, that. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So he looks good. Um, and I just feel that like, if they're going to keep that offense that Flacco loves, the shuck it up, throw the 50, 50 play action, whatever it is, Cortland Sutton's going to be that guy. Cortland Sutton's going to be his target. So I'll take him there. I, Deshaun Jackson, I know it's probably a very uh, a wrong take of me, and I'd love to hear your your you know your pitch for him. I just feel like he's like oh he's a I think I think I feel of Deshaun Jackson what most people feel about Brandon Cooks, where it's just like oh he's just a deep threat. How much fantasy value can that really give you? But pitch me, tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, so uh, this you're you're always going to fall victim to players getting better when you look at players like this but Cortland Sutton didn't look good last year and it was his rookie year and he was playing with a, a not very good Broncos team so I'm I'm very open to him taking a step forward in his second year I'm not ready to condemn the guy but I really like Deshaun Jackson here it's going to be maddening but I like it because now that I don't need the points, I'm trying to convince myself that I'll be able to hit on those four mm. games, which mm. is stupid. Like I realize how incredibly, <laughs> but I just can't wait to see Deshaun Jackson play with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is one of my highest ranked QBs this year. I think we've forgotten how good he is and how good he is in that offense. And so I'm just, I'm really excited about it. This is going to be a pick with my heart situation. Like I'm probably going to end up, dropping Deshaun Jackson in all of my leagues this year because I'm definitely <laughs> but damn it if you don't draft him oh yeah I also think Dante Moncrief is asleep as a dark horse for just a touchdown hog that we we that in Indianapolis we d- never really got to see it in Jacksonville but I don't know if that's his fault so much as Blake Bortles's fault but we saw it in Indianapolis where he was just eating up targets in the red zone and was scoring touchdowns and that could he could chomp into that in Pittsburgh. Yeah, if, if Moncrief is serviceable, there's going to be plenty of work. Yes. Um, now, Juju Smith-Schuster has, has flown up my ranks and still is very much in the you're not going to get him if you look at my ranks category. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, Pittsburgh's going to throw the ball. They're going to score, I think, a lot of points. So I, I think Moncrief is probably the safest person out of that group. Can I, can I ask you a would you rather? Yeah, please do. Would you rather Dante Moncrief or James Washington? Oh, Dante Moncrief. Okay. I, I just, I, I generally lean towards the veteran. And on that one, it's kind of a tiebreaker. Like they've both look really good and they've both really not. Like Moncrief has done enough to keep it interesting. And Washington flashed big time in the preseason game. Yeah. But I mean, they're both still relatively unknown with potential. So I'll, I'll usually lean towards the veteran in that case. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. What's your final group of receivers? So this is just late round darts. Like uh, some, some guys I love. Uh, We've got John Brown, Marquise Brown, and I couldn't find another Brown. So Josh Gordon, (laughs) as your kind of dart throws, uh, who you got? Um, I'm going to say Marquise Brown. I wrote, like I said, at the top of the show, I wrote my uh, top five sleepers, wide receiver sleepers. I can't like, did I miss something about Marquise Brown? Did he tear his ACL or is, I mean, I understand he's coming back from a foot injury, but is it really that catastrophic that he's going in the 14th round? So I, I think the argument against, and I think that when you're forming these opinions of who you're going to take, you should be able to argue for and against all of your picks. And if you don't, Sorry. 
If you're not capable of doing that, you may be blinded. And if you are, it's your team. Draft who you want. That's fine. New but- listeners, this is why you need to subscribe. Because when we come to talk about the podcast, we both will make a point and then disagree with the point we just made. Just to give you both sides of the coin. It keeps everything really straight. Exactly. Uh, so, so the argument against Marquise Brown is he was a little injured coming into camp and he's lost a little time with that. People are worried that Lamar Jackson is not a real thing, which is not a thing on this podcast. I know we all believe in him. Uh, and then people are also uh, maybe a little worried about what we saw out of uh, Miles Boykin in the preseason game. So uh, who looked really good, by the way. Uh, the The Ravens passing offense isn't going to be prolific, but even a really crummy passing offense is going to be like 2,500, 3,000 yards. And I mean, that's plenty to support a good fantasy wide receiver. So I think uh, picking Marquise Brown is, is a fine pick. I, I, I understand why people are down on him. And I think the 14th round is about appropriately priced. He's in that dart throw area. You know, we, we just, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. I see. I, I, I am loving the fact that the fantasy community is putting there because I just, in my mind, I don't consider him a dart throw, even if he's the number two receiver in that offense. And I understand, yes, it's going to be a limited passing attack. Even if he is the number two receiver, that's still better than like wide receiver 65 in my book. And the fact that he can take any pass he touches to the house, the fact that the Ravens drafted him in the first round as their defunct, defunct, wrong word, de facto, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the exact opposite of what I meant. Uh, de facto number one wide receiver or someone to fill that role to really help Mark, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson take that next step. I guess I just, I am missing the point of how he is a 14th round pick. To me, I would happily take him. And I even thought that when we did, when we talked with Danny Kelly way back and did our rookie wide receiver projections, like, I thought he was higher. Somehow he's fallen. And maybe it's because of the lingering foot injury. Maybe it's because that foot injury has lasted longer. Maybe it's because Miles Boykins has looked good. But I don't feel like that in and of itself makes him someone who you're, like, throwing a dart at in the fourth and 14th and 15th round. Yeah, the, the biggest tangible, no one can disagree with it, and I think it's a fine point argument against him, is that he's a rookie. Right. right. But he is a first-round rookie. And is it, wait, first or second round? First round. He was taken 25th, I think. First round rookie, very highly touted. You know, people miss on projections all the time, but, you know, a lot of people really love this guy. And so I I don't think it's unreasonable for you to feel that it's ridiculous he's in the 14th round. And I also, again, I get why he's in the 14th round. Uh, Definitely someone to pick and hold on to for a few weeks. Like, could very well do nothing as he gets up to speed and then explode yeah Uh, on this one the pick to me is a little obvious and this is a little unfair because josh gordon is going in the middle of the 12th john brown is going in the 13th and marquise brown is going in the 14th if it if i was picking in the middle and all of these guys were available i would pick all of them (laughs) because i I love all these guys yeah Uh, but i would pick out of this group josh gordon uh, because either he is going to be reinstated and he will be that 12th rounder that is just a starter for you for 16 weeks, or you will know who you're going to cut week one to, to free up that right. roster spot. And that's, dude, God damn, Clark, you're good at this. That is a sneaky 
thing to like kind of have locked in the bank because you know after week one there's going to be like some sort of waiver wire darling like pat mahomes right last year pat mahomes went undrafted in everyone's league more or less unless you play with a bunch of chiefs fans and put together a crazy week one or a crazy week two whatever it was and then he used everyone's like oh shit you got to get pat patrick mahomes and one of the difficult things is going through your roster and being like oh shit like who who do i drop for patrick mahomes and of course no one i mean with hindsight, you'd be like, well, I'd fucking draft any, I'd drop anyone for Patrick Mahomes because he would more or less single-handedly win you your league. But having that, like, week one, week two, I know Josh Gordon, if he's not getting reinstated, I've got an easy spot to give up to a waiver wire darling. That, I think, is a, a, a – it's not the reason to draft him, but it's a nice little bonus if you have drafted him. Yeah, it's uh... – that's some next level strategizing. Right there. Don't that, that shouldn't be your reason. <laughs> no, no, but no. It's comforting that if all else fails, it won't be a total loss. It'll be kind of, I can't think of an analogy, which I feel is not like me. <laughs> um, all right, before we go, let me give you one final would you rather because we talked about we talked about the back end of the first and the beginning of the second. We talked back end of third and fourth. We've talked late round guys. I want to know, and I'm going to leave DeAndre Hopkins out of here because I don't want your own personal biases to play in. But top three guys, I'll give you a top four if you if you want to if you want to approach this as a as an impartial fantasy uh, uh, professional. Devonte Adams, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. Who would you rather have as your wide receiver one? You can throw DeAndre Hopkins in there too. Oh, Hopkins is my number one, and Julio Jones is my number two. Okay. So there you go. That's that's a fair answer. And you and you're thinking just because of volume, because of production, because I think a lot of people have Devonte Adams as that guy who they're assuming is just going to basically eat targets. And Michael Thomas, to a certain extent, too, eat targets up in both Green Bay and, and New Orleans, respectively. But you think that the offense is going to spread the ball around a little bit more, or do you just think Julio Jones is going to be better? I, I'm actually a little lower on Michael Thomas than I thought I would end up being. He's my number seven wide receiver. And that's not that that shouldn't be insulting to Michael Thomas. There's just a ton of great wide receivers and the Saints, uh, while he's getting a great target share, they run a lot of stuff through Kamara. They score a lot of touchdowns with their running backs. Yeah. So you're, I'm trying to split the finest of hairs at the top of this list. And anyone who just said I'm worried about Michael Thomas's touchdowns, and that's why Julio is higher. Please don't laugh <laughs> right into the podcast. Uh, but Julio is just the picture of consistency. It's why I've got Zeke at the top of my ranks last year. It wasn't because I necessarily thought he was going to finish number one. I was just so sure he would not finish outside the top five. That's kind of how I feel about Julio, and that's why I decided to break the tie that way. But Adams is third. I mean, yeah. If, if someone assigned me Devontae Adams as the eighth pick, I, I'd, I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Uh, also, don't forget when you're talking about Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Pro Bowl year. I mean, he's going to eat up targets both in the general field yeah. and in the red zone. I'm coming for this Jared Cook, Pro Bowl, fantasy stud, number one tight end year in New Orleans. Finally, it was Colby Fleener for a hot second. I was like, yes, let's do this. And now I'm re-falling in love with uh, Jared Cook, his career arc topping right at the right moment to pair himself with a with a 35-year-old Drew Brees. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a vote of confidence for you. Save it for tight end week. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Awesome. Well, there we go. Hopefully that was a, a little more tighter, more concise for all of you listeners out there who managed to fight their way through the hour and a half long podcast on Tuesday. Don't worry. I'm sure there'll be another lengthy one next week uh, as we do our NFC fantasy previews. But until then, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and everywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. We will be back at you guys twice next week, Tuesdays and Thursdays from here on out. The season's just around the corner. Until then, peace. Someone is actually uh, very annoyingly texting back and forth with me, asking all of the questions that I answered in the fucking ad. <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. That's Anything all right. for a sale. Anything for a sale. Just got. I get need to get up. this guy, or girl, a woman, or a man, and that's why I'm really doing this. Yeah, you're right. just helping the greater good. That's right.